It's Time for Truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's Time for Truth exists to glorify God through the edification of His saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I'm joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. everyone out there in podcast land. Thanks once again for joining us on the podcast. We are glad that you have uh, joined us once again. Um, we realize, I, you know, I've listened to some podcasts and they say, you know, this evening, and it's like, well, that means you guys are recording in the evening, but I'm not listening in the evening. So, uh, so it's a good day to you, uh, whenever that is, if that's in the middle of the night or if that's uh, in the middle of the day or whenever you're listening. Um, grateful that you're here. Also, uh, a little shout out to uh, to Mark. Uh, that would be Susie's uh, husband, and uh, he's a, a faithful listener to the podcast, and so wanted to give a greeting especially to him as well. But we are uh, looking forward to this uh, next season uh, that we are now in, the second season of the podcast. Someone asked me uh, about the uh, what we mean by season and you know what does that mean, and really what we're just pointing to is that we've moved to a, a new theme. Our first theme, of course, was our church distinctives, but we're moving into a, a second season, bringing forward a, a new theme, and that is biblical economics, truth in finances. And so we're looking forward to uh, more discussions uh, on this topic. Before we get into that today, uh, Jim, how are you? Oh, sorry, Danny. I'm busy looking for my F-35 jet that's missing. <laughs> Talk about current events. <laughs> Man, I it's 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 funny. Uh, you know, the government is very inept at times. It's surprising. It shouldn't be as surprising as it is. But yeah, you, you were joking about that online. You know, things you commonly lose, right? Uh, uh, or misplace, right? Keys, money, your F-35. Right. Well, and it, it just cracks me up. So, you know, th they make it so easy to not believe them. So the, the narrative now is that the pilot ejected because of bad weather. Now, none of the commercial airline pilots ejected during bad weather and they were flying over the same area. So it's just, it's just foolishness. And uh, it, it tells us where, where these government agencies are and the way that they think and how stupid they think people are. And I think for us, it's, it's be wise in God's word the only truth in the world and apply that to the world and see how foolish it is. Yeah. So, yeah. But other than that, it's great. It, it is great to be in season two <laughs> and you're right. It's a new topic or a new series. You know, we can think about it a couple ways, but uh, it is exciting as we transition. Um, the distinctives were such a good study. And I think this economic stewardship is literally straight from the Bible, right? We begin in Genesis one and everything God created and we are called to be, good stewards of his economy. So that's an exciting topic for me. Yeah, very good. Looking forward to it. I think there's there's so much and so many places we can go, and we're looking forward to um, filling that out for everybody. And so just a, a little bit of a review. We, we did talk a little bit last time about this concept and this phrase called, uh, or that says, there's no such thing as a free lunch. What do you think that 
What do you think that means? What's the significance of that phrase? Because that's really a basic economic principle. It really is. And it's a basic God principle that he designed us to worship and he designed us to work and take dominion. And that is what we are supposed to do. And through that, God blesses us. And so, you know, if, if we're not working and we're capable of working, then that's a problem. So, you know, there is no, there's no retirement package in, in the Bible. So maybe we can uh, tease it out a little bit this way as well. Universal basic income, which is this idea that the government will pay everybody a basic income, a basic wage, a universal wage, sort of uh, a, a minimum wage, if you will, but universally not on the basis of working, but on the basis of being a just a citizen of the country, that everybody gets that type of thing. Is that really a free uh, income or wage? Yeah, absolutely not. Because, you know, income is just the the output of your work product. And so the the God's design, if it talked about it in the Bible, if it talked about it in the Bible, if, but yeah. God's design is to produce. It's It's to take dominion and it's to use tools, which we call technology today, to do that, to be more efficient with it. And, you know, if we listen to the world, if we listen to, to great scientists 50 years ago, they would have said we were running out of food, right? And yet through God and through man's ability to, to be innovative, we now have the ability to produce amazing things. And we've seen this in the Bible through history, right? I mean, Solomon was able to grow wines in the middle of the desert or grapes in the middle of the desert for wine. And so, you know, this idea that, uh, that, everybody should get something for free. There is no such, there is no such thing. And so. Well, we were talking about before the podcast, a little bit of where to put this next kind of topic. I think it ties in here. Great. Government produces nothing, right? Government produces nothing. Therefore, when the government talks about paying you, when the government talks about forgiving people's loans and all these different types of things, you have to realize where does their money come from? Because it's not free. You might think, well, it's free to me, but it isn't free uh, because there's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as a free universal basic income wherein the government pays you, pays your bills, you know, pays right. you to live. It is purely inflationary, and the reality is, is that the government gets its money from somewhere because since they don't produce anything, the money that they have is confiscated. It is, it is the people's money. And so all there, all that is is a veiled version of redistribution of socialism. That's right. And we talked briefly a little bit about that last time. We'll talk a little bit more about it today, I think, too. But this, this idea that the government, the key, another key economic principle is that the government it does not produce anything. And this right. becomes a problem when you consider that the government is the single largest employer, the federal government in the United States of America is the single largest employer in the country. All of those people producing zero Correct. And essentially all they're doing is collecting. Correct. So they are coming up with schemes and mechanisms to collect more, which is why you see tolls on highways now, and you would never would have seen that a hundred years ago. So, you know, it's, it's a truly insanity. And I, you know, we can apply that exact same principle, Danny, to business. So, you know, we're, we're moving into a, a donut business into a building that building produces nothing. And so, the, the amount that we pay for that building, the way that we have to think about that is that is an employee that gives us no return, none at all. Now, it can give you the ability 
it can give you the ability to produce more, but a human has to do that production. And so, you know, all the technology and tools can give you the ability, but it's always a human at the end of that, that has to produce. And so for every tool and for everything that's not producing, you have to make up for that. It's a cost. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's a cost. We look at that building as an employee that doesn't work. That's the way you have to think about it. It's it's truly just sitting there, which, empty. Which means, see, in, in that movement, in in that economic direction, you have to account for that because it's not just an employee that isn't producing. It's a it it is a net. Uh, negative in terms of cost. Therefore, the donut business has to, the people in the business have to produce more to account for the building. That's right. And so the bigger our government gets and the bigger people that don't work get inside that government, those that are left actually have to produce more. Right. Does that make sense? They have to be more efficient and they have to be more innovative. And in order to produce more for an economy, to keep going. And if not, then that's what you call a depression. That's right. Right. That's what you, that, that's an that's economic right. downturn wherein everyone, the people primarily suffer. And that's when you find out there is no free lunch. That's right. Cause you are on a line for a bowl of soup. That's right. That's right. That, that, that thing that was, that you thought was free. Right. Turned out had a large cost behind it. And you might've, of had a momentary benefit. Yep. up front you pay for it though on the back end that's right right so that's right and and this it leads into so many discussions be careful of quote unquote your value be careful of the value in your home be careful of the value in your business because a a value is only valuable if somebody on the other side is going to buy it right if if it's actually exchangeable for something that is usable and so that is an exchange of productivity but if there's nothing to exchange, if the market tanks and that guy has nothing, then what you have also is worth nothing. Right. It's literally just a dwelling. So I remember learning a little bit about that as a kid and my dad explaining stuff to me uh, in this realm. And I, I think I, I think I largely got it. And I, and the, the area in which I got it was when I was collecting baseball cards and there was the, the Beckett right? The, uh, I think that's what it was called. It's this book that you could, uh, it was a periodical or a magazine, but I think sometimes they were even larger books that provided for, you could look up your baseball card and it would tell you what it's, what its value is, what it's worth is. And having to understand that that baseball card <clears throat> has no value. Right. <laughs> It, cardboard and print <laughs> cardboard and a picture on, <laughs> on, on it has no value except for it, it, well it has no value is meaningless to me until i go to sell it right it's not worth anything unless there is someone who actually wants to buy it right. and even the price that is listed in the beckett that is that might be a, a measure of average averages or uh, things that are that are measured in terms of what things are going for, that pe the, the value that people have placed on it. Right. But if you can't, if no one will pay you for that price that you think it's worth, then it's not worth what you think it's worth. Right. Right. So, uh, so things that are valuable are in some measure in the eyes of the beholder, it depends on what, uh, what someone else is willing to pay. That's right. It's the, it's this idea of it's exchange of service or, or of value. And you know, that exchange of service, it works its way out in a couple ways, right? So, um, 
my wife is requiring a drug in order for her to live, right? She has got a disease, an autoimmune disease that she requires this. And so if that's the last vial of that medicine on earth, it's invaluable to me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? I would give my life. I would give everything that I had in order to, to have that. If you, Danny, had that and you had no use for it and I was your brother, you would give it to me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, but the reality is, is, is that's for a small fee. So, so the value is in the relationship. The value is just as important in community as a dollar amount. And I think that's the key is when we think about value, we tend to only think about it in monetary purposes. But the reality is, is that caring for each other as a church body is valuable. It's invaluable is what I would say. It mm -hmm. is, it is beyond value. We can all be better if we're together. And why? Because that's the design. Again, when we were called to take dominion, it was to multiply and take dominion. So it was doing it in this togetherness as we expanded and became more productive. And so we will learn more together than we will apart. Yeah. So we've already kind of hit on a number of different things here. The idea of, of not having a, uh, or a market that is acknowledging that there's no such thing as a free lunch, right. understanding things such as what is value and uh, as well as the role of government in that. So, and we've, we, you've gotten your money's worth uh, out of this podcast in the first <laughs> couple of minutes here. Uh, well, of course, uh, all these things will need to be expanded on at some point as well. But um, when, when it comes to, uh, let's talk about just a little bit of the idea of a free market. You know, we talked about a, no such thing as a free lunch, but what would a free market, what, 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 how would you describe uh, the free market. Yeah, boy. So free market starts with, to me, it starts with the land ownership. I think that's a really important concept that, private property. that many of us miss. It's the private property rights that God has prescribed. And it's clear in scripture, if you can't covet somebody else's stuff, that it is his stuff, that it is his private property. And that is such an important concept to free market. And can't because, steal, right? Right. Because now he can produce something on his free market with his owned resources in a way that it could be valuable, not only to him, but also to anybody else. And so the free market has to start with, with rights of private property. So important. And that gets a hundred percent. I think that's the, the chief economic principle, um, that the Bible, well, stepping back slightly further is again, this idea that, that there is a biblical economics there, right. there is a system of economics. There are there are principles of economics that the scripture clearly teaches. And I remember being at a church a uh, number of years ago, uh, and this is the problem of Big Eva right now. But it was it was a, a precursor was uh, in a pastor that I heard speak about the idea that uh, economics are not a biblical idea. This is just something that, the, in other words, the Bible is dealing with spiritual matters, right? Rather than these these earthly, uh, necessary evil sort of things, such as economics. And what that that the hand that is being tipped here is pointing to the the thinking that you could be a liberal, a socialist, and you could be a freedom loving capitalist. And the Bible really doesn't take a side in that in that debate. Um, th there's different ways to 
to run an economy. And it's just a matter of which one happens to work better. And I, li- I like this one better, but it's not more right than the other. And I, and I think that the, the, one of the main things that we want to do with this series is uh, to say hogwash. <laughs> to right. The, uh, the, uh, my favorite Greek word, right? Baloney. <laughs> Baloney. That, that's ridiculous. Exactly. Um, that the, the scripture gives us the foundation. I, I tell people that I'm, I'm a conservative politically and economically because I'm a Christian because of the Bible. Right. And th- those are the things that, that drive us. Yeah, it's truly, it's truly amazing that, uh, that they spiritualize it in such a way. It, and it leads to, so God doesn't talk about economy, doesn't talk about money, except for giving. And then it leads to this ability to say, well, you know, I can vote Democrat because I'm balancing the overall, I'm not just looking at abortion, right? It's, it's not just about abortion. Right. It's, and what, what that, that one compromise of God's not, he's not a caring enough God that he's not providing everything for life and godliness, which scripture tells us that he's not providing an economic model. Like a God that didn't do that would actually not be God first off. And then it, it allows you to justify so wide your, your views. Now your views become much larger than the Bible's views and the Bible only speaks to things that are spiritual. So it'll teach you how to pray, but it won't teach you how to manage your money. Right, foolishness, just yeah. complete foolishness. Right, and that, that's a a low view of lordship. That's a low view of the scripture itself, in terms of its authority. We we want to we want to make the scripture authoritative on matters of salvation. Right, but and so this goes back to your view of the scripture, inerrancy and infallibility, as, right. as well as authority, and also then there's that. But then there's also how to use the scripture and understanding principles, understanding examples that are given that are meant for us to learn from and so when you're talking about the ten commandments and you're talking about like you said coveting as well as uh, stealing that there are is an underlying assumption to that and then and then born out in the scripture in example and so forth the reality that private property is a fundamental principle of God's creation and his purposes for mankind right and so as we're talking about um, the idea of private property, and we're talking about and relating it to the free market. When you believe first in the value and the and the idea of personal property ownership, um, this flies in the face of a lot of what we're facing today. So we we mentioned last time uh, the whole World Economic Forum principle. See, they're they're basing their things on principles too. You will own nothing, and you will be happy. Uh, that is a contra biblical uh, idea. And the reality is scripture says, no, God has created the world that we might take ownership and and for, for him. Again, God owns it all, but it's right. in terms of that, we'll get into stewardship, the idea. But a stewardship is a, is another word for management. Yeah. It, it It's how you manage. It's, it's literally right. the application of economics. Yeah. So. And, and the goodness of God to actually give these good gifts to us <laughs> right. to manage for him. Right. And to, uh, but yet he gives us, uh, he gives us authority and he gives us responsibility to take. And he gives us the ability to, from those things, be fruitful and to feed ourselves and to grow and to uh, be prosperous. Right. And then we find that in that prosperity, in this, and we'll get into the economic system. Right. Um, from that, that, that's how we actually receive God's blessings. Um, right. That He works. That's the thing: is God works through 
economic systems, political right. systems. He works through these things with his providence to bring about his purposes and ends. And that's why thinking about it broader, Danny, is so important because I would say today, if you interviewed a hundred Christians and you said, what are blessings? 98% of them would respond that that's financial. Does that make sense? And so they, hmm. they narrow it down to one thing, money, because actually that's where their God is. But the reality is, is, is they're only looking at, they're looking for the blessing in one area instead of seeing God bless them in many ways. And I think that's, that's the broader concept is God will bless you. You're just not sure how yet. And, and don't just look for it in one area, look for it across all the things that God's done for you. Yeah, not excluding financial, right? But in terms of there's 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 lots more along with that. And I I will say this emphatically: we are blessed in Idaho to not live in California, and I mean that that is truly a blessing of ours to be able to do that. And you know, there's freedom to move, but the reality is, is it's a blessing because we are under less less tyrannical leadership than they are. Well, that gets us back to because I think it's easy for us to continue to move off in these other directions. I mean, bringing that back to the free market, yep. the difference between, see what you're referring to is there is a greater level of freedom that is found here as opposed to California, yep. right? And that's what you're getting at. Um, and um, But let's go get back to this idea of the free market. Um, what would be the opposite of that? Well, it would be, well, go, ahead, go ahead. No, it'd be communism is what I would call it. So. Yeah, a managed economy yeah. as opposed to a free a free market. Right. And... The, the the challenge with um, where we're where we're at today and what we teased out last time was this idea that if you tax something, then that is a that is a claim to ownership. Right. And when you're when you're talking about the idea of the government produces nothing yet the government has all of this money, they have all of these employees, they have all of this uh, all these resources to them. What what that means is that they are a big drain on the economy. Imagine if the government were out of the way of that. Imagine if the government was not getting their mitts involved in all of the affairs of life, all the social programs, all of the, the again, the government wants to feed you. It wants to house you. It, it wants to entertain you. It wants to give you your, your, your cell phone, the Obama phone, remember that? Educate you. Uh, it wants to teach you. It, it, it wants to bury you. It wants to care, care for your, well, that was getting ahead of myself. Uh, in terms of healthcare, it wants to be uh, dad, and beyond dad, it wants to be God. Yeah, and that path ultimately is communism. That leads That's to right. complete communism, and that path leads to you eating bugs. I mean, the, it's not even a foreshadow. It's not even like I'm making that up. Like, they want to take your meat and make you eat bug burgers. That's right. And they want you to be, well, which is ultimately a, a, an amazing, Jim, it's an amazing power play. I think that's it, Danny. It, it's it, a power it's play. Like, we'll tell we, you what to eat. Can we think of the most ridiculous thing? And let's run it by to see if it sticks. It's, it's, or, or they continue at it in waves. It's this idea of they continue to beat down these ideas over years and years and years. And we must not be naive to be like, oh, no, no, that'll never happen. I will never eat bugs. Right. Well, go to the market. And have there be no beef, have there be no uh, other options That's for right. you, right? And so all of these things are, th these are nefarious, um, anti-God, anti-scripture efforts that we must be aware of. And then of course, talk about and, and, and communicate and vote and all, and, and hold up positions of office and so forth, because these things are intentional and they are an attack on the free market, which means 
their effort here, we talked about it being a power move. That is a move of, of slavery right. for the masses. And ultimately, this is where we want to lead this to, Danny. We've talked about this, like leading to how do we resist overreach? It's just overreach. Let's just call it that. Um, and there's different ways you can do that. But, but in parallel with, with how do we resist, the reality is, is how do we become more dependent on each other outside of that sphere, outside of that government requirement? And there are simple things that we can do to become more dependent on each other. You know, the challenge of that is as soon as we're dependent on each other, then we have to deal with each other more. And that's a reality. Yeah, and that, that's going to open another can of words. We're going to have to have uh, definitely another episode on the, or more oh, yeah. uh, on that whole subject there. Um, but yeah, let's let's come back to this I, this idea here of the free market and the managed uh, the managed economy. One of the things that was very obvious to me during the Trump era was: Do you remember just before COVID? What did you have? You had the largest economic prosperity in, that this country has ever seen, and what th- the key element to that was really deregulation. Yep. It was uh, one of the things that was funny. Um, I forgot who it was that pointed it out to me, but um, back in the day, I want to say it was Newt Gingrich and the and the contract with America and those different types of things, where they were really getting serious about the gas prices and that they were this was a huge plank, a huge uh, a huge element of why you should vote Republicans. We're going to do something about gas prices, and Trump never even ran on that. Right. But yet the gas prices just went through the floor, which which. Um, we'll, we'll, again, we'll have to talk about this further as Which well. Which goes the idea to food. It goes energy, to right? energy. Right. My, my dad has talked about this forever, right? The idea that that reliable, cheap, cheap energy is the key to a first world economic uh, prosperity. Hundred percent, right? And so when when gas prices, when when we are independent of our for our energy sources, when we drill our own oil. When we have all of our own natural gas, I mean, we, we this country has the ability to provide and uh, produce for itself. And when you when you unleash that, when you deregulate that, and you allow that to happen, you have far more energy resources. And when it's cheaper, now you talked about the building that you had being a cost. Yep. Well, energy is a cost, but when the cost goes down, you have more resources to put into other things That's and right. other and other buildings and well, other it's vehicles. more than that it's even even the it, energy to get food distributed correct is cheaper because the energy is cheaper and and, and the cost goes and down. we see this across america we know this so <coughs> somebody posted this on twitter like why is gas so high in california compared to the middle of the united states well the reality is there's taxes first off there's there's government regulation but when you remove that the cost of gas is still higher there because you've got refineries. So where the oil is produced is cheaper than when it's distributed. And we see that across the world. And so, so if we're not building it and producing it here, we are clearly going to pay more for it. It's just a, it's just an economic obvious. Yeah. And, and and that was the, the thing with Trump was a lot of that deregulation. So part of that was uh, the deregulation was in unleashing production. Right, and so when you it's just that supply and demand, right? right? When you when you have far more supply than demand, then the price is going to go down. And so when and when you have that, when you again when you unleash the economic power of the free market, right? 
and the, in other words, the government stops managing it. The government gets out of the way. Right. Um, the the ability of people to produce and to cause an economy to thrive and for people to flourish, and and, and we can, we we can't discount the value of a of a strong economy for the overall again the overall health of people. Right, the flourishing of That's people. Right. So when we're talking about the if you value, want to care like, for the poor, you want to love people. If you want to care for the poor, you know, don't give them a burger. You know, l- allow oil wells to be drilled. Like. Truthfully, that's that's it's just a reality. That's right. The free market, and and this goes. We'll get into things that uh, George Gilder's been talking about, and uh, Cannon. And so, I want to encourage you guys in terms of resources. What Cannon is doing with Men in Marriage, yeah. they have a documentary with George Gilder, and then also his book Wealth and Poverty. This idea that the the free market capitalist system is actually a system that is built on love, and we've been sold uh, a line that capitalism is built on greed and people uh, that it's just merely self-interest. And when you hear that, you go, well, I don't want to be in a, a part of a system of greed. And, and that's why you have to understand it properly, that it's not what we're talking about here. When you unleash the, the economic power of the people and of a nation and that it flourishes economically, that is a healthy thing f- on so many different levels, not just for the poor, right? right but, jo- but also for the, for those who should be, are able to produce, those people who are working, um, those people who have meaningful vocation in life. Um, there's just so much more. But when the government gets into it, it is a depressant. Yeah, no, it, it actually, for the youth, it actually gives them things to aspire towards, Danny. Like, you know, during that period of, I would call it conservative leadership of Reagan, you had things like the internet being developed. It wasn't out yet, but it was it was used by the military and it wasn't quite out, but it was being developed. And when when younger people saw that, it led to a lot of innovation in the internet that we see now. We see Amazon and Google and all of that was very productive. That was a very, very good thing. And so when government overreaches, like I would say we're in now, you have... It, it, these young people, they're at a loss as to even what to do. And so what do they do? They push a blue cart around at Walmart and pick up food for other people. There's, there's no meaning in that. There's no, there's no reward in that. And it's because it's not the way that we're designed. We are designed to take dominion and actually produce and look for ways to be more effective. And so part of this is, is an effort to bring this conversation to the forefront because We need to be talking about this as as Christians because these things are spiritual. They deal with loving one another, right. and they deal with issues of of freedom and versus slavery. And when we see, um, we'll have to talk about more also the idea of what it means to live as slaves because in many ways we are. And so the the question will be how we think of that, how we view the government, how we view ourselves. And then how we seek to flourish to the best of our ability under under God to do the best we can with what we have. But I mean, we you can't argue that the the free market is being eclipsed. Yeah, no, and and, and even that back to that idea of of men and women taking dominion. This idea of actually going and and seeking to take something over and make something good out of it, like that's lost. And you've heard me say this before, Danny. Like when when that loss of desire to actually go do those things happens it leads to despair but it's worse than that it, it leads to companies hiring people that are unqualified to be in the position that they're in 
it leads to us losing an F-35. I mean, literally, the stupidity of that is, is beyond understanding that you could lose a jet that has all of that technology and trackability and it's just naive and, and foolishness. But to me, it's, it's another sign of complex systems br breaking down. You know, it's just this, it's, it's foolishness had nothing to do with the technology that was available, had everything to do with that operator or operators that were looking for that jet being incompetent. Cause what you're talking about is that's an interesting point. Cause what you're talking about is the idea that the, that the, oh, there's a, there's a large economy, right? right? There's a national economy and, and that's a large complex system. And in some measure we have a, a, a pretty significant connection to that. And what we're wanting to promote and we're wanting to work towards is, I mean, people have called it a parallel economy, right? Which is, ba which is basically saying a second economy not tied to that which is all co completely controlled. Right. And so it might be, might not be a, a, an entirely parallel economy, but it might be a, um, just a local miniature economy right. that is done where, wherein we... Uh, care for each other and we provide for each other we might still be connected to that other economy but but we need to find ways wherein our freedoms we, we, we can seek to be as free as we can in a in an economy that is being overly managed yeah i don't think that we'll be disconnected from it but we can be less dependent on it there's a difference yeah there's a difference yeah. it's so we'll, it's engaging with it wisely hopefully we're just wetting your appetite on that because that's not for today yeah but we've got uh, we have a lot to cover one of the things we wanted to talk about is the again we're we're trying to touch on this idea that the Bible does speak to this, these economic principles. And Jim, you did a, a number of things looking at Deuteronomy and, and the discussion of blessings, the discussion of curses as well. Yeah. But um, maybe share with us a, a few of, of the scriptures that, that speak, point to blessing and the impact that that has um, in terms of economic blessing. Even. Yeah, it's 100%. So a lot of people will say the Bible doesn't talk about the economy, or if they do, they'll say it's only farming and it was only related in that period of time. And yet we see all through scripture, um, this concept of the economy being beyond just the times. And in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about it. It talks about blessing in the city, blessing in the country. Well, guess what? The city is not a farming community, right? And so your concept of it's only applicable for that period is thrown out the door. And Jesus in Luke 14, 28, he says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? I mean, that's clearly an economic discussion. He's actually budgeting. Is this a wise investment for me to make? And so, you know, it's the, the scripture is loaded with this. Um, if we don't categorize it and dismiss it. So we have a good God who's given us great guidance on everything related to life and godliness, including our economics. And it's a, an important, of course, balance that we need to have because we've been talking about idolatry. We've been talking about the love of money at church. Right. We've been uh, just identifying that there are, are different ditches that we, you can fall in. But one, one ditch that we don't want to fall in is this idea that um, God doesn't care about our finances, or he doesn't care about economics in these areas. But the, the point here is that there is a great care that God has. It's tied to, uh, in some measure, blessing. And, and, and it's not exclusively that. You already mentioned that, that uh, there are other ways to bless that actually may include you losing uh, some, of you, some of that. And you think of Job, right. that, the, that the Lord loved Job, not 
um, not after the trial and before the trial, but in the trial, right. that there was a purpose for that. And we've talked about this in other realms as well, the idea of it's very important to lose. It's very important to get beaten at, at some point in something because right. it is to it is a motivating factor. That's and right. these are things that cause you then to um, pick your head up and to think about how it is that you can improve or to acknowledge your own sins and failures and weaknesses so that you can uh, do do better next time. And that's part of God working, especially in his people, a sanctifying work in us to cause us to love him and to be dependent upon him. And, and we're all dependent upon him. The issue then uh, becomes, do we uh, acknowledge that and are we uh, are we putting ourselves in a position to be blessed by God, right. even in our financial situations? And that's the idea of, of studying this, Danny. It's it's so many people don't realize how, I would say, how much overreach has already occurred to us. And I think the reason we don't is because we don't see the plan from God. And so we have nothing to compare it against. And so the church is dismissed or is missing on talking about economics, as we talked about earlier. But it's there. And so if we talk about it and we see it, then you see how much overreach is really occurring. And yeah. when you see it, when your eyes are opened and you see how much... Our, our government, look, we don't live in a free market society. Let's just be completely honest. This is not a capitalistic society. Everything is controlled by the government. So we, we are in it's a... It's called slavery, Jim. Yeah, we are in a socialistic, arguably on our way to a communistic model of government. And the only difference between socialism and government and and communism is just time. And force. Yeah, time and force. Oh, yeah. And so you know, we, we are moving towards that because it's unsustainable. So that's right. So in terms of, let me ask a question this way, being that we are people who believe and value a free market, but yet recognize that we are living in more, more slavery terms in terms of the, the management of this economy and the, and the movement towards communism in a socialistic way. Um, we, we know what the ideal is and we know what it should be, but yet, we're not in the let we don't we don't wield the levers of power to change any of that um what difference should some of this make in our thinking and and it, do we just study what what is or why does it matter to study the way it should be yeah so i i think that we can do things danny we we you know this morning i got up early and i went out to a friend's garden and picked a bunch of vegetables i didn't report it to the government and you know, offer him any compensation for it, right? Other than loving a brother. And so there are things that we can do. And listen, that is being a good steward. Like if we are less dependent on tyranny, that's being a good steward. And so there, there's absolutely models and things that we can and should do. You talked about it last week of fixing my own car, right? Instead of disposing of a $2,000 bumper and getting the insurance to pay for it, which I could have done, um, you choose to bang it out because it's just got a scrape on it, right? And so, you know, there are things that we need to do and understand based on the value that's created or not created or the waste that's created by doing those things and understanding. And now the counter argument that to be, I can already hear it. Well, but Jim, by not getting a new bumper, those people didn't build that new bumper. No, that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with taking what God has given us and using it wisely do I need a perfectly clean bumper? Of course I don't, because it's a bumper. That's what it's designed for, to bump. <laughs> and so, you know, the idea that that I'm putting somebody out of work because I fixed the bumper myself is foolish thought. 
the, the thought has to be, am I being productive? Am I being a good steward with what God has given me for the purpose of using that vehicle? Yeah, th- that goes to the two different economic models that say, if you're not spending, and this, see, this, is, what the, this is what the government wants, it, 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 it expects and requires people to be uh, spending right. uh, constantly. And whereas the idea of saving is, is seen to be counterproductive, and yet uh, it's, it's really the, the opposite, right? When, when you are saving, that means you have, you, you are resisting the tyranny. Um, so that one of the things that you're, you're doing is you are, you are resisting the system, to some extent. So right. I think that's one thing that we, we think about it is recognize what we're doing right. and the impact that we have. Um, so there's there's a measure of resistance in what you did. Right. Um, but there's also a freedom element and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a part where you are saying, I'm, I am resisting and I am going to save and I'm going to do the best I can to, to not give over my freedom. See, because some things... In terms of slavery, you're like, well, I don't feel like a slave. I don't see any shackles. I, I live in my house, and everything seems okay. Mm-hmm. And, and and we would see when we talk, talk about Israel being enslaved in Egypt. Yeah, they had houses in in Egypt. Right. Uh, but what does the idea of slavery really point to? It, it points to people who have power over you. That's right. And who take who who take the the pro- product of your work. Wherein you could benefit yourself, the government t- seizes those 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 resources, and so um, wait, that's slavery. It's like, right. yeah, that's slavery. Right. And yeah, we, we we hear that story and we think about the bricks and they took away the hay, right? So now it was harder to make bricks, and we think, oh, I, that that's an absolute case of slavery. You can see it there, but we forget that the government literally caused COVID via the shutdown, and we were short of toilet paper. Like that was the cause of being enslaved to a government who overreached, causing supply chain issues. Mm-hmm. Literally causing supply chain issues. And how did those supply chain issues play out specifically? Well, independent drivers who were not vaccinated by choice, by free choice, could not drive into California and pick up goods at the port. Your toilet paper coming from China was inaccessible. So to some extent and to some degree, um, we are slaves of our own making. fault and yes. own making. Yes. And, that, and that's what kind of what we're getting at here. That's Such one of the reasons important. why to discuss the principles of, of right and proper and biblical economics is to, in whatever ways that we can, to resist the slavery and the power that, the, that our overlords have over us. Right. Um, it is a funny thing that the slaves outnumber the slave masters. Now, granted, they can potentially crack down with force, but as much as, uh, and they did that in in Egypt, of course, with Israel, but to the the best of our ability, we are to be, I I would argue, and we'll we'll talk about biblical principles about this, we should be the the, the worst slaves that we can be because we are pursuing our freedom under God. Right. Right, Because because we have, we already have a master. Right. And our efforts are to seek to serve him freely and to live according to his principles. Right. And so it, to the best of our ability, we resist the tyranny, the slave, the slavery of their managed economy, and we're seeking to live f- as free men under the lordship of Christ. And that's where we think about how we engage in the economy that is managed by our slave owners. It's amazing how every 
technology, which always started as just a tool. So it was a tool developed to produce, eventually just becomes an entitlement. Mm. And, uh, you know, we see it with housing. You know, I mean, it was 10 years ago that the Democrats wanted everyone to have a house. Like, and so they lowered the bar of borrowing so far that we went into default. Now, some of that was Wall Street piggybacking off of that that caused the default, but that sent us into an economic depression because because people weren't producing to earn that house. It was more lowering the bar in order to give it away. And, it's a form of redistribution. And cell phones the same thing. It's not even a cell phone. It has to be a smartphone now. Like if you're if if you're a homeless person, you have a right to a cell phone. Well, no, you don't. But but that's the way that it comes across, and that's the way that it it's actually modeled that way. And so, in our government reporting system, I think I mentioned this last week, the poverty line doesn't just it does not report all the things that they are given. And so, if they are given thirty thousand dollars worth of stuff, I will call it food, housing, smartphones, you know, all the things, barber, all the things that you and I pay for, doctor, right? All of those things add up. And they make $20,000 a year and the poverty line is at 21. It's reported as poverty. It's not reported as they actually have $51,000 available to them. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm. so it's, it's, it's truly astonishing how they hide, meaning our government hides all these things so that they can produce more so that they can take more and, and redistribute more, mm. which makes us less productive, which means the rest of us have to produce at a greater rate. And hopefully, uh, for you listeners, it's, this is not just an exercise in increasing your depression. Right. Uh, it, it is. It is hopefully to be eye-opening and to be uh, and to cause us to understand um, the way things are, and then, but also to recognize the way things um, should be, and then to be thinking through. You know, we talked about this in other in other formats, Jim. The idea of um, if someone comes to you with a problem, that's that's not a great thing to be a complainer and just to be a griper, right. but it becomes, and that's why we're, we're teasing out the idea. We will have some, some solutions that we think are, are going to be uh, valuable and the, the area, the direction we need to go living in this, this slave model that we have in our country. Um, the idea of this is to have all of us to be thoughtful about uh, the solutions and so forth. Yeah. Well, lastly for today, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up our discussion today regarding um, the idea of value. We already talked about, we teased it, we introduced it a little bit ago about um, the value of a thing. What what is it, what is valuable? And uh, and you already we you already teased it, Jim. The idea of of toilet paper during COVID. Yep. Right. It turns out that became a very valuable thing. In a world of scarcity, and that's what happened, um, or at least the fear of scarcity, even um, choices and sacrifices are unavoidable. And uh, what happens is people's economic behavior is simply a reflect reflection of their need to make choices and the relative value they place upon their options. It's amazing because a person that is more content is going to be less dependent on the government than a person that is discontent, right? because the choices that they make are simpler. I don't need that. I don't actually need to do that. And so just by simply living in contentment with the basic needs of life, mm -hmm. and, and God always provides more than that, but if you keep your attitude content in knowing that God is the provider, it literally makes you less dependent just in that of, it, of itself. So um, when these things happen, 
it's a lot easier to adjust than if you're trying to redo everything that you got. Mm -hmm. So the idea of living small and living in contentment is so important because reality is, is we don't, I've said this before, Danny, we don't do what we say. We don't do what we plan. We do what we value. And so what are the things that you value? And if you're sitting in front of a TV for 10 hours, that's what you value. And there's no productivity coming out of that. There's, there's nothing. And so we have to understand that our priorities lead to our production. Hmm. And the way we do that is through the things that we value. So, so during COVID, during, during the, during the toilet paper shortage, the reality is, is that there were some people that went out and hunted very effectively for toilet paper for their families and others that didn't. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it was so scarce that people were out going to multiple locations looking for it. And when found, good people bought for other people, right? So we, we bought when we found it for other people so that they wouldn't have to do that. And, and some, again, those things come back to the reality that this was a government-made problem. Right. And so it, it resulted in panic. It resulted in fear. resulted in scarcity. Right. And, and, but the reality is, is that when the free market um, is allowed to function without those, um, those other dynamics that are, that are put into it, what, what happens then is that the, the market determines what people value and it produces in kind. Right. Right. You, you have, uh, you have plenty. Nobody was worried about a shortage of toilet paper until the government was about to step in and create it. And it was something that wasn't foreseen. Like no one re real, people didn't realize, you know, the, 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 thought that we were going to be shut down, we weren't going to be able to go out and go to the store and realize there's still things, there's still processes that happen, biological processes that happen that are going to be needed <laughs> here. And then when, and then when it created a, a problem, it becomes a run on the, on the stores and, and, and then all sorts of problems happen. And it's amazing. I'm trying to get to say this nicely, the number of complex processes, you hear me keep talking about this, but they literally run on a razor's edge. They, they truthfully, like, the toilet paper thing was a hiccup in one area caused this massive distribution issue for how long? It was months. It seemed like it was months before that thing even normalized. It may have been six months. And so we're, we're living on a, we're living in a system that is a lot more capable of breaking than we think. Yeah. We've become complacent in understanding that. And we just think everything's going to be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Meat comes wrapped in the in the butcher section, and the eggs come from styrofoam containers. And the reality is, is that's not the case. So, and so, when when it com comes down to ident identifying the things that we value, the things that we need, and ways to be less dependent, then we find other other ways to create uh, or to identify value, and then we can retool and rethink and redirect our priorities. So that we can, as you said, be less dependent on those things because of we're focused on the things that we value, not as opposed to what the rest of the economy or the rest or the the, the ways in which the rest of the world and the government wants us to value. So when we were talking to this off offline, we were talking earlier about the value of older people, and uh, I still remember my grandmother who she came over from Germany. Um, her husband died after four boys, so my father was the youngest, and he died when my father was five. And she raised four boys through the Great Depression. Single mother, right? 
raising four young men. Now, she clearly was a believer, and I think she had a strong church community around her, but I remember that the, her ability to save was everything. She had a jar on the back of her oven with grease from everything that she had cooked that she saved because that is valuable in order to make more things, right? By the way, the best biscuits in the world came out of that jar. <laughs> and so, you know, it was bacon grease and pork chop grease and, you know, but the reality is they were a lot more understanding of the things that were necessities. And because she had that experience and because I was able to talk to her about that, I carry that forward with me. That's in me knowing I can live with so little compared to what the world offers. And what did that do as, as I was growing in my career? It kept me living small. I always lived way below my means, way below my means. And that affords me the ability to bless people, not only in the church, but I can now leave inheritance to the children and the children's children as we're called it biblically. And so, you know, the, the creep of the world constantly throwing things at you is something that we have to resist. And I am not anti-technology. You know that I spent a career building technology, including cell phones and smartphones, so they can be used for effective dominion. Mm-hmm. But they get to a point where they get abused and you feel like you have to have it. And the reality is you don't. And I think we we mentioned this earlier, but you mentioned there the idea of, um, of an economy wherein there is love for other people. Right. Um, wherein there is room for compassion. See, the, the, the left and this, this socialistic um, economy, managed economy view is is yeah, one where it rich presu- or evil well but they that's not what they say they say that they're very compassionate right, right. They, they want to be they, they care much about fairness they oh no but the rich everyone. people are evil they, they they are not paying their fair share yeah liars all right and and the reality is is that they um that that it's it's a, it's a smoke show right it's it's the opposite and that's this, such a funny thing as you look at the world it, it it's everything is flipped over just exactly the opposite isn't it amazing and so the the reality of god's economic system is the way in which he is built into the system so we talk about this, the the capitalistic system is is built on love we'll have to talk more about that another time yep. but then also within that system is the incentivizing and in the commanding um, from god the care for not just um, future generations, the poor, and even just generosity towards other people. Right. Um, those things are built, and, and in the way in which we loan um, and, and, and set there. people up for success, it's all there. It's all there. And so we'll uh, we'll have to um, build those things out in the in the weeks to come. I hope you realize that you know we've we've bitten off quite a big chunk to to. Uh, deal with and there's a, so much and there's there's ties into so many different things. So we're going to try to um, break these things down a little bit smaller as we go along, and uh, and and talk about them and hopefully uh, bring you some confidence and some education in some of these areas and try to help us to think biblically uh, about economics and then also again those practical elements of hey realizing that we're more slaves than we thought. How do we resist that to the best of our ability with God being sovereign and having his purposes? How do we resist that? How do we uh, seek to live as free men while under the tyranny and slavery of, of overlords? And, and how can we uh, thrive and, and seek to promote God's best for us as his people, as well as to be a blessing to the com- world and the community around us? No, and I think that's the key, Danny, is, is he is, God is executing his plan 
And until he is complete with his plan, he has given us an economic model in which we can live in. We need to understand it and then we need to value it. We need to say, this is important enough for him to give to us. It's important enough for us to live that way for him. Let's not just be victims of slavery, but let us be the best slaves that we can be in right. terms of the way in which we live as free men. Right. And, and that's where, um, and we might find resistance to that, but that's ultimately in God's territory. He also might bless us right. um, that that we might flourish and that we might do great things for him even in the midst of that, which is a beautiful picture of his power overcoming the powers of, of evil. And I always believe he blesses us even through suffering. It's yep. just a different way. And so um, hard to see as you're in it, but the reality is as you go through it together as a body, you've got other people coming around you and then you see the blessing of the body as well. Our efforts are to pursue God's best and to put ourselves in the position of blessing with God being sovereign over how, what those blessings how actually he does look it. like. Exactly right. right. Yep, beautiful. Well, that's good. Well, that's all the time that we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and commitment to Christ and his church as we are sanctified in the truth. God's word is truth.